congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, people who are in love with each other will sometimes write to each other a love note, a love note, and perhaps you have done this as well at one time or another. And it's definitely a good thing to do, to write a love note to one another. Now, what we have in front of us in terms of our Bible reading is a very short letter from the Apostle John, the second letter of John. And I may tell you at this point already that it is really a love letter that comes to us from the Apostle John. Now, he wrote it originally to the elect lady and her children. So we read, most likely his wife and children. But the Holy Spirit uses this particular letter, this particular love note from Christ to his church as his church is going And this is what we need to remember as his church is going through some terrific, terrible trials. Great trials. Well, as part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know, don't we, that we are going through and will be going through some severe trials. We are already and we will continue to see that increase, no doubt. That does not mean that I am am one to, to just picture everything in black. But I do want to tell you that we need to be alert to what the Lord is still allowing to happen to us and to the church of Jesus Christ. We are experiencing trials that are new to this particular uh, century but also that are new to this particular region that we live in as well. That is a once free North America, which is no longer a free North America whatsoever. And so here is then a love note that comes to us by way of our text verses when the Apostle John says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. And so let us then consider these words in the following way. John exhorts Christ's faithful church in times of trial. Christ, uh, John exhorts Christ's faithful church in times of trial. In the first place, watch out. Secondly, follow. And then thirdly, persevere. Our congregation, verse 8 of our text could be summarized in two words. Those two words are watch out. And what is it that we as church people, what are we to watch out for? Well, we are to watch out that we do not lose what the Lord God has done amongst us throughout history. The church people, 
that the Apostle John wrote to, they have benefited from some very intense gospel preaching over these years. Preachers like the Apostle John, they labored amongst these people, and God has been pleased then also to work powerfully with his word and with his Holy Spirit. A great change has been worked amongst these people, and they could they could then consequently also celebrate the grace of the Lord God. They could experience the mercy of God. They could experience the peace that has come from God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So these were blessings that these people experienced in their particular time. And through much pastoral and spiritual labors, these people have come to a level of spiritual maturity so that the Apostle John could also say in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from our Father in heaven. These people have grown spiritually by the word that was preached and by the Holy Spirit who has, has worked it in them so that they actually became people that John could rejoice in. Now, apparently, these people loved the truth. They loved God's truth. And I hope and pray that you and I also love God's truth. And they have learned then also to walk in that truth, even as we must learn to walk in that truth. The word of God was their guide, and they learned then also to conduct themselves by the standard of the word of God. They walked in the truth because they loved the truth. But not only did they love the truth, but they also loved one another. As you can read of that as well, as, as one Bible commentator says it so beautifully, these people have been able to show their Christian love by their practice of hospitality. Now, I would say, therefore, that is a good report, isn't it? The truth has been brought to them, the truth has been worked in them, and the truth has proven to be evident and fruitful in the life of these church-going people. Now, dear congregation, I have to put another pair of glasses on because I'm not seeing you as well as I should. Dear congregation, now I can see you better. The Holy Spirit has also worked by his word and Holy Spirit amongst us in this 21st century, in this particular Christian church, in this particular area of the free world. Can a good report be heard of you and of me? We too may celebrate the grace and the mercy and the peace of God towards us over these years, haven't we? We may speak of the labors of Christ for us and the labors of Christ in us by his word and Holy Spirit. We too may speak of those labors and we are thankful that it is Christ who has done these things for us and in us. 
And the question, of course, is for us, will we keep to Christ's word? Will we keep to the truth of that word? And will we continue to love the truth? And will we, as, as young and old members of the congregation, remain serious about walking in the truth? The Apostle John, he wrote this particular letter to the church of his day, but at the same time, this letter is also directed to you and to me. When he says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in the truth as we received commandment from the Father. By the word of God, dear people, we have learned to love one another, haven't we? We have. And as Christians, we have then learned also to practice what is called Christian hospitality. Now, what kind of exhortation comes to each one of us this hour? It's this. Those two words. It comes by way of our text, watch out. That means, do not become proud of your progress. Do not become complacent. Do not lose what God has worked amongst you with his word and with his Holy Spirit. Do not become uptight, and I dare say this because we are living in those times, do not become uptight about the trials that you and I will be facing now that we are in the, first, in the 21st century. Do not become uptight about it. The Lord has not changed, you see over the centuries, and he will also provide for you and for me during this 21st century. We know that the trials will grow in severity and that they will grow in heaviness. We know this. It is evident amongst us. We can sense it. We can hear it in the news, and we can also understand it by what is happening all around us. Persecution of Christians is on the rise. You can read many articles from Kenya, from Nigeria, from Pakistan, and from other countries where the Christians are persecuted severely. It has made life very difficult for many Christians in this world. But I want to give you some examples of what is happening here in our day and age and in our area. As time goes on, it will become more and more difficult for us as Christians to find jobs so that we will not have to work on the Lord's day. As Christians, we will not be well received in government positions. As Christians, we will be considered more and more narrow-minded as we oppose unbiblical practices and unbiblical lifestyles. And let me just give you a number of those unbiblical practices and lifestyles. It is unbiblical. It is unbiblical to promote abortion. It is unbiblical to promote euthanasia. It is unbiblical to promote a gender change because God has made us either a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. It is unbiblical to have such genders changed. 
It is unbiblical to engage what is happening, and we don't hear much of it in the news because the media has covered it up. Child trafficking. It is unbiblical, and we oppose that as Christians. And the world considers us who oppose all of these things as being narrow-minded. And they tell us that we are the haters of those people who want to promote these things. We are haters as Christians. That's what the world says. As such, the human rights courts, they're ready to give us Christians a short shrift when it comes to matters of justice. But again, the word from our text comes to us, watch out. Do not let any of those trials scare you. We must stand against every modern ideology that is unbiblical, dear people. And there's this too yet. We need to remember this. We are told in our text, verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, that is the doctrine of what is biblical, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. In other words, you and I, we are called to watch out and that we do not fall for the persuasions of false teachers who promote a more palatable and a more easygoing practice of religion. And you know what kind of religion they are promoting? A religion that has less interest in the truth, but far more interest in what is popular in this day and age. Generally speaking, so they say, it is still all right to be religious, but in a broader, in a more ecumenical way. And this could also become a temptation for you and for me. We will be told by certain motivational speakers to mix a little of the other religions in with our religion and practice saying to one who is a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Mormon, or a Roman Catholic, hey, we are brothers and sisters, and in the end, we all worship the same God, don't we? That is being said. We will be told that faith in Jesus Christ is not really all that relevant in this day and age anymore, and so people will say, who is this Jesus anyway? He was just an ordinary man, who gained a bit of a following from a bunch of outcasts some 2,000 years ago. Again, our text, watch out. Do not fall for such arguments. The Apostle John, he warns for these types of temptations, and he says in verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You and I, we need to watch out that we do not lose what the Word and what the Holy Spirit has done amongst us in the past. We need to watch out that we do not lose our confidence in the truth. We need to watch out that we... Do not stop walking in the truth. And by watching out and by continuing to walk in the truth, all of us which have the Word and the Holy Spirit accomplished in us 
Our text promises a full reward. Yes, there is a reward as well for you and me. Now, I must point out that true believers cannot lose their salvation. True believers cannot lose their salvation. But if they fudge on walking in the truth, they could lose their confidence and their assurance and their comfort of salvation. Peace with God will then become rather elusive for them. And therefore, again, the words from our text, watch out. Do not stop walking in the truth. But then, how are we to walk in the truth? This takes me to the next verse of our text, verse 9. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. And with these words, the Apostle John has another exhortation for you and for me. One that could be summarized in this one word, follow. And we want to consider that in second place. Let me try to interpret this verse for you. The word transgress here has the meaning of running ahead of someone or some teaching. That is, running ahead of someone. In the New Testament commentary of William Hendrickson and Simon Kistemacher, some of you will be familiar with those commentaries, this verse is translated as follows. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Let me repeat it. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. In other words, it speaks here of, of those who run ahead of Christ and run ahead of his teaching. And there are always those who are not really satisfied with the simple teaching of Christ and have actually made up their own teachings of Christianity. And let me give you some examples of that. There are those whose teaching goes beyond what the Bible teaches I met a person once who told me that I should preach as if no one or very few in the congregation are saved and that I must concentrate in my preaching on the horrible nature of man's sin and the fearful results that will befall man if there is no repentance. Now, it is true that needs to come out every once in a while, particularly as the Bible text calls us to. But I've also met people who go the other way again, who have told me that I should preach as, as if most in the congregation are believers who only need to be encouraged and who only need to be praised for their good doing. There are also those who have told me that God is, by and large, a consuming fire. And then there are others on the other side who say that our God is entirely a God of love. Then there are those who are so caught up in the doctrine of election and sovereign will of God that they have no thoughts whatsoever about the responsibility that God has laid on man to respond to the gospel. Then there have been those who have, as it were, remolded the Christian religion that it all depends on whether you will decide for Christ. 
and whether you can accomplish enough good deeds in order to win the favor of God. Such people, all of them, have, as it were, run ahead of the teaching of Christ and have bypassed Christ in how the gospel should be preached. John strongly disapproves of such bypassing and running ahead of the teaching of Christ. In the mind of John, such people are not walking in the truth. They show that they are not of God and that they have not really accepted what God and his words of truth stands for. Well, and how then are we to walk? Not by bypassing or by running ahead of the teaching of Christ, but by following the teaching of Christ. That ultimately means, dear people, that we follow Christ. After all, Christ has never said, come alongside of me. He has never said, go on ahead of me. But he has said, and clearly so, follow me. You can read of that in Luke 9, 59. This means that we, as we walk in the truth, we are to follow Christ in his teaching. We are to think as Christ thought. We are to speak as Christ spoke. We are to teach and to preach, and we are to conduct ourselves as Christ spoke and teach and preach and conduct. He did not come, dear people, to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And true enough, Jesus Christ takes sin seriously, very seriously. He does demand repentance of sin, and the call to repentance must be heard time and time again. Repent of your sin. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to seek forgiveness. But he at the same time also calls us and speaks of the promises of forgiveness of sins to any who believe in him. Faith is a gift of God, and we need to plead for that. Jesus Christ, he praises the ones who showed faith in him, but he also at the same time rebuked even his own disciples who were not showing much faith in him. And one said to them, when they were in a storm at sea, where is your faith? Now, Jesus Christ certainly spoke highly of God's sovereign will. But at the same time, Jesus Christ could encourage his listeners to exercise their responsibility when he said to them, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. True enough. Jesus Christ does not hold back to speak about man's total inability. As he once said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John 6, verse 44. But he also at the same time extended the broadest invitation and call to any sinner. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. Think of how passionately the Lord Jesus Christ played on the string of man's responsibility to obey the gospel. When he looked over the city of Jerusalem 
when he sat on the Mount of Olives and he cried, as it were, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who have been sent to her. How often have I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. You did not. You were not willing. Think of how earnestly Jesus Christ pressed man to exercise the responsibility when he said, no, when he cried out even, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And dear people, I could multiply examples of how balanced the teaching and the preaching was of Jesus Christ. Well then, it is this kind of balanced approach that we, you and I, are also called to follow as we walk in the truth. Therefore, let us not bypass Christ. Let us not run ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ with our own formulations of what should be taught or of what should be preached, but let us follow Christ. Let us be balanced in our understanding of the Bible and of the gospel. Let us be fervent. Let us be earnest and zealous and compassionate in speaking about salvation. In doing so, let it be for the glory of God, even as it was in the Lord Jesus Christ and as it was with him. After all, it was for the cause that Jesus Christ died, didn't he? Not merely that man should be saved, but that God would get the glory. This is why we may not bypass, this is why we may not run ahead of Jesus Christ. Because if we do, if we do, we tend to look for some glory for ourselves, and we don't need that whatsoever. We must follow Christ, and by doing so, God will get the glory. The Apostle John, he could rejoice in the Christian church of his day, to which he wrote this particular letter that we read, as he heard that its members walked in truth. Yet he still found it necessary to exhort them, watch out and follow. In the same manner, you and I are also addressed, particularly by way of this particular message. But there is one more exhortation that can be discovered in our text verses, and that is the exhortation of persevere, as we must speak of that in the last place. Again, let me read our text. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now, the word abide here is the key. It has the meaning of continuing, or better yet, it has the meaning of persevering. And the Apostle John exhorts the congregation not only to walk in the truth following Christ, but also to persevere in it. And this is no doubt a very difficult thing to do, you see, in the Christian religion. That is, persevering in the truth. How difficult it can be to persevere in the faith. Persevering in following the Lord Jesus Christ. At the same time, we have here what is distinguishes us as true Christians. And I want to quote something from a particular book written by Professor John Murray. And some of you may have read this book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And I quote, The perseverance of the saints 
reminds us forcefully that only those who persevere to the end are truly saints. In other words, the crucial test of true faith is when we are able to persevere to the end, abiding in Christ and continuing in his word. Persevering means when we continue to watch out, and when we continue to walk in the truth, and when we continue to follow Jesus Christ. Persevering means that we continue to do so in bright and clear days, but also in dark and cast over days, in days of prosperity, but also in days of trials. Persevering means following the Lord Jesus Christ, even when it does not become popular anymore in this world, and when it could even bring us great difficulties as well. When Jesus Christ says, take up your cross and follow me, it's not take up your comfort bag and follow me, but take up your cross and follow me. He did not mean for us to follow him only for a short time, but to follow means continue, persevere to follow me. Our candles of Dort, all of us know the candles of Dort, which every confessing believer of the congregation you'll be familiar with, has devoted one of his fourth chapters completely to this matter of teaching the perseverance of the saints. Let me just quote from the fourth chapter Article 9, and listen to how perseverance has its rewards. And I quote, Of this preservation of the elect to salvation and of their perseverance in the faith, true believers for themselves may and do obtain assurance according to the measure of their faith, whereby they arrive at the certain persuasion that they ever will continue true and living members of the church, and that they experience forgiveness of sins and will at last inherit eternal life. That's words from our canons of Dort. Now, dear people, it is of great importance in the days as we live in today that we persevere in the truth and in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is putting us on trial to see if we will fall, to see if we will capitulate to the world's ways. It is putting you and me on trial to see if it could possibly win us over to a less moral and a more careless and world-conforming way of life. False teachers and deceivers are busy presently persuading us to a less rigid and a more tolerant practice of religion. They are hard at it to draw us away from this exclusive type of Christianity which teaches that Jesus Christ alone is the truth and the way and the life. The world does not want to hear this from us and neither do false teachers and deceivers want to hear this from us because at bottom they, that is the world, has become anti-Christ. Therefore, let us persevere by the grace, by the mercy, by the peace, by the truth, and by the love of God, which we may experience through the word.
Let us persevere to walk in truth. And let us persevere in following the Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching. Or as the Apostle John would want to exhort us, watch out, follow, and persevere. In so doing, we have the promise of having both the Father and the Son with us. And dear people, this will get us to sing, and we will sing that shortly after. Grace and truth shall mark the way where the Lord his own will lead. If his word they still obey and his testimonies heed. He who walks in godly fear in the path of truth shall go. There you have it. Peace shall be his portion there, and his sons all good shall know. They that fear and love the Lord shall Jehovah's friendship know. He will grace to them accord and his faithful covenant show. Well, now, may the words from our text passage, verse 3, also apply to you and to me. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. May all of us, young and old, receive this love note from the Apostle of Love, the Apostle John.